Well, we begin today the amazing season of Advent. Uh, it's the season of expectation. And I know that for uh, people of all ages, this is that time of the year when certain kinds of questions kick up for us. Uh, will it be another green Christmas or finally a white one, uh, we wonder? Uh, what will I get for that particular person to bring a smile to their face? What will be under the tree for me? Uh, how will I get all of this stuff done? And what will the credit card statement say when it's all over again? These are the kinds of questions that kick up for us, and I know some deeper ones. When we go back to the original story of Christmas and study the lives of the characters to whom uh, the message, the good news of God's incarnation first arrived, uh, we find there a set of questions that they were pondering too, though the kind of questions that they're asking are of, of the deepest kind. Uh, there is perhaps the question of Mary herself that's most famous. Uh, is the miraculous really possible? I mean, can God really do anything? There's the, the question that Elizabeth asks, why would God favor me? Why would God choose to, to bless me? There's the question of the crowd that is posed before the birth of, of John the baptizer. What will this child grow up to be? Uh, what will this human life become? What can God do through one human life? And then there is Zechariah's question, the one that we're going to look at today. When we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are uh, old of age. I think that's safe to say. They're a, a faithful uh, Jewish couple that have been following God and putting their hope and trust in God for very many years. Long before the two of them were born, God had made a promise through the prophet Malachi that he was going to send a savior to Israel, a Messiah to Israel. Uh, this savior would come and reorient life for his people and bring a good news for the poor and a release for the captives and a recovery of sight to the blind and usher in a whole new kind of salvation. The prophet Malachi had said that that Messiah would be preceded by another prophet, somebody who came in the spirit and style of the um, prophet Elijah. And this person would make straight the way of the Lord. But Malachi finished his prophecy and the line in effect between God and the Jewish people, it seemed, went dead for 100, 200, 300, 400 years. For 400 years, God's promise had been unfulfilled. And because of this, many in Israel had lost hope that anything could ever change. They had really given up on the idea that God was going to act in any decisive way to alter the circumstances of their life. And when we meet them in Luke chapter 1, and we'll be looking at the Gospel of Luke, just the first chapter over the course of these uh, weeks to come. Uh, when we meet them there, Zechariah and Elizabeth are somehow still being faithful, having not seen the long-promised-for uh, gift of the Messiah, they're still being faithful. We're told that they had been as faithful as Abraham and Sarah were. They were blameless in the sight of God, the scriptures say. 
But they had no children because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they both were very old. In other words, not only had something as huge as the birth of a Messiah not been delivered on, that promise not come to pass, but something as comparatively small, and you'd think little in terms of the capacity of God to do it, as giving them a, a child, some security in their old age, some comfort in their final years, something like a mere baby had been met with total silence from heaven too. They had prayed, they had yearned, they had hoped, but God had not delivered on the promise. Some of us understand that experience. Some of us have been in the sandals of Zechariah and Elizabeth in our own journey at some point in life. Some of us have been yearning and praying for something to happen. We've been trusting and obeying God in the belief that a loving God would surely make this thing happen. But the promise, the, the promised blessing seems to be uh, met only with, with silence. Some of us have thought, God, you promised you would never leave me nor forsake me. I heard it. I read it in your scripture. You, you said it. You'd never leave behind those who put their trust in you. And yet I feel so alone in this season of my life. You know, I've just been praying. I've been asking for the companion. I've been asking for the help and the support in the community. And yet I keep walking through life. God, when will you deliver on that promise? Or I thought you promised that all things would work together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. I read that in the scriptures to God, and yet I've been working so hard, so faithfully, and I just can't see how any kind of good is going to possibly come out of these circumstances that I see all around me right now. Why, God? When, God, will I see your faithfulness? I thought you promised that those who waited upon you would renew their strength. They would mount up on wings as eagles. They will walk and not grow faint. And yet as I go on in the journey, Lord, I've lost my strength. I just have, don't have the energy to keep going. When are you going to supply me with that upsurge of your grace that I so desperately need? When will you fulfill that promise? Why are you silent, God? Why haven't you acted? Are you even there at all? Sometimes we stand in the sandals of Zechariah and Elizabeth. One ordinary day, Zechariah went up to the temple to fulfill his priestly duties. The time had come when he had been selected to enter into the Holy of Holies and make the offering there in the temple of God, as was his family's particular role in Jewish society. And we're told that while he's there volunteering at the temple, a messenger from God suddenly appears to Zechariah. And he says to him, to him in effect, guess what? God has remembered his promises to Israel and to you. Now there's an amazing um, majesty and irony in this particular uh, assurance that the messenger gives. Because long before anything like this had happened, uh, 
the families of Zechariah and Elizabeth had been amongst the faithful remnant that stayed true, believing that God was not done in history, that God was going to deliver on what he had promised about the coming Messiah. And so they had named their children very carefully and independently, very, very purposefully. The name Zechariah literally means God remembers. God remembers. And the name Elizabeth literally means God's promise or the oath of God, which is to say that when this young man and this young woman first came together and married and formed a household together, their names together formed the refrain, God remembers God's promises. God remembers God's promises. And now, decades and decades later, the angel is coming to say that very thing to them. God has remembered his promises. Your wife Elizabeth, says the angel, will bear you a son, and you are to call his name John. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah's ears are ringing because these are the words of the prophet Malachi. And what Zechariah is hearing is that not only is the Messiah coming, but a child will be born to him and to Elizabeth who will be the forerunner, the way preparer, the, 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 the servant like Elijah, one of the most strategic individuals in all of history. Their son will be the voice that cries in the wilderness. Now, can you blame Zechariah for being a little dubious about this? I mean, after all that they'd experienced, all the years that had gone by, can you blame him for asking the very first question of Christmas? How can I be sure of this? How can I really be sure of the promises of God? Do you ever wonder that yourself? I mean... They sound so good, but how can I be sure of them? For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. How can I be sure of this thing when all of the evidence around me at this particular moment points in the opposite direction of blessing? And to that, the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God himself, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. It strikes me that, that this is just like God, at least the God that I've experienced in life. That this particular response that Gabriel gives is so much like the experience many of us have had of God. There are times when we've got these questions we want to ask God. I don't know if you keep a list. I've got a list of questions that I keep voicing in my prayers to God, looking for answers to. I, I, I pray for the day when by his grace I have the opportunity to have the answers revealed to me. But I, but I just want to know, 
why these things happen and when and where and how his will is going to be accomplished in these areas where it's so clear to me he would want his will to be accomplished. And God seems sometimes to just dodge the questions. He, he says, in effect, Dan, you are on a need-to-know basis with me, and you don't need to know. You just don't need to know yet. And for a guy that likes to organize things and control things and plan things, this is a very hard part of my relationship with God. This is basically what the angel Gabriel says here. He says to Zechariah, I'm speaking on God's authority. Trust me, this is God's authority standing in front of you. Here's what you need to know. Here's all you need to know right now. And that's it. And then the angel confers upon Zechariah something which looks like a curse. But I submit to you, you may actually be a blessing. The angel says, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens. Until the day that this happens. Until the promise is made good on. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. It strikes to me that, that there are times w when God wants us to speak and act with tremendous passion. I, I, I think God wants his people in the face of wrongdoing, in the face of need and opportunity, very often to step up, speak out, and to be people of action. But there are also times when God calls us just the opposite. When God is going to be the one who's going to be doing the speaking and the acting, and he wants us to fall silent before that reality. There are seasons, in fact, when silence is the only posture that's appropriate before the mystery of God's providence. There are times when you and I need to stop our talking and our strategizing and our kvetching and our second-guessing or our armchair coaching of God and simply let God fulfill his job description. Let God do what only God can do. And the question that I want to pose for us today, just the simple thought to take with us as we head into this season, is where might that be true for you? Where is it that, that some reverent silence before the mystery of God's providence is needed for you? Where is he asking you to adopt a posture of quiet waiting in this season of your life? Maybe it's with some person in your life. Uh, maybe there's just some person you have been trying to organize, you have been trying to fix, you have trying to, been trying to solve, and God is actually asking you to release your white-knuckle grip on that particular person and to let God work, to trust God, to have a capacity to influence that person and that circumstance in greater ways than you can. Maybe you just need to stop over-managing some particular situation in your life. You've been doing everything you can. You've been up all night sometimes. You're sleepless. You're tossing and turning. You're, you're, you're injuring your health, worrying over this particular concern, 
And God is saying, trust me, I'm in this. I've not let you alone. I will work all things together for good. Maybe you don't need to know right now how that particular circumstance or that uh, crisis or that uh, particular opportunity for good is going to turn out, maybe it's okay to just wait till Christmas comes. To be like children who, who in their excitement just learn to wait till Christmas comes. Can you dare to trust, as Zechariah came to, that beneath the tree of God's providence, that there just might actually be a box he has wisely selected and carefully wrapped that is in accordance with his perfect purposes and that has your name on it. And much like me in a much smaller sense was looking forward to this day of revealing the impact you had made, God has made through you in this recent church initiative, God is already smiling at the thought of the joy you're going to feel when the promise is delivered upon and the goodness and the faithfulness of his character is proven out. This is what you can be sure of when you aren't sure of anything else. You can be sure of God's character. You can be sure that he is God. You can be sure that he's got the power to accomplish every good thing he wants to do and that he wants to do good things. And that he is God and knows what is best. And as the coming of John the Baptist and as the coming of Jesus the Messiah and as what we've just witnessed as a church I think at least suggests, God often does immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine if we simply keep putting our trust in him. Would you do that with me today as we come before God in prayer? Almighty God, I, I don't know uh, what that particular empty place, that place of barrenness, of unrequited hope is for all those sharing in this prayer with me. But God, I know you do. You know the name of that child. You know the name of that worry. You know the name of that aspiration. You know the name of that particular need. And trusting, Lord God, that you are so good, we just ask you to give us peace about that thing. To stay responsive to the movement of your spirit, to do those things we can do, but to ultimately put our faith in you for the final outcome. You whose way is abundance. You whose way is loving providence. You whose way we see so beautifully in the face of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.